Welcome to Fixated, the Fixed Income Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Moran, Editorial Director of Fixed Income News Australia. Join me every week as I talk about the latest news, views and education in fixed income investment. I'll be joined by industry experts from Australia and across the globe. Welcome. Today we have Barry Ziegler, who is Head of Fixed Income at Bell Potter Securities. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Liz. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Interesting times at the moment, particularly with uh, the Reserve Bank um, holding interest rates at pretty close to zero. Absolutely. And uh, today, Barry's going to be talking, or we're going to be talking mostly about hybrids, and that's Barry's uh, specialty. So, Barry, do you want to tell us a bit about the hybrid market, where how you see where it's at at the moment? Yeah, the hybrid market's been, just as a little bit of brief history, the hybrid market for retail investors has been going for approximately 20 years, particularly we started off with the National Bank Income Securities back in 1999, and that's only just recently been redeemed by the uh, the National Bank. And since then, we've seen some considerable changes in this particular market. In fact, there's been probably about half a dozen structural changes. But what we've got at the moment is uh, securities that comply with the Bale three regulations, that uh, essentially uh, provide the banks with that break, if you like, that safety buffer in case something does go wrong. Um, as you know, Liz, um, equity advisors are always uh, bullish. Fixed income advisors were always bearish. So we always look at the, the negatives. And if you look at the hybrid market in particular, you'll find that we always quote these securities at a margin above the risk-free rate. In other words, a margin above the, um, the government bond rate. So you're getting paid to take on additional risk to buy hybrids. And we say that we don't say that lightly because hybrids can go wrong, potentially. And that's, of course, a major fear of anything going wrong is if there's a default in the bank. Uh, but if you look at Australia, <clears throat> sure, you know, these securities are not government guaranteed, uh, unlike a term deposit. But then a term deposit, you're lucky to get a, uh, uh, you're going to get an interest rate that's got a zero in front of it. Whereas if you look at the hybrids, you're getting a reward, which is usually around that uh, in the high twos to 3% above the risk-free rate. And uh, that's the risk for taking on, um, that's your reward for taking on the additional risk out of these securities, which, you know, I often say in good times, these securities behave like bonds. A bond is where you're going to get your money back at the end of a prescribed period, and you're going to get a, a regular income payment. And uh, they also have an equity component, and that's in the bad times. For instance, if the bank does need its tier one capital for regulatory purposes, it can convert these securities into equity. And uh, if we get into that situation, it certainly might not want the equity in the bank. But in Australia, you know, our uh, banks are extremely well capitalised. And, uh, you know, APRA has got our banks to be unquestionably strong. So, yeah, these securities are looking uh, fantastic for retail investors who are prepared to take on an additional uh, risk. So, Barry, talk to me a bit about the spreads at the moment. Or You were saying about 3% you can earn. Is that for the longer dated ones? Is that for the sort of the five-year-plus range? And what are, what are some of the shorter dated ones? What sort of returns can you get there? Correct. The Basically, the longer you go in, in bond theory, as you well know, uh, in bond theory, the longer you go, the more reward you've got to get to take on the additional risk because you do have duration risk. <clears throat> what we're seeing at the moment is uh, our hybrids are at historically low levels as far as spreads go, but then we are in a different environment, aren't we? You know, we've got 
cash rates at uh, 0.1%. <clears throat> the Reserve Bank essentially has said that they're not going to increase cash rates until 2024. They're just going to let this economy go. And what we're looking at at the moment is, uh, say, a benchmark five-year security, and we'll use the new CBA as an example. Uh, that was a $1.18 billion uh, issue, and essentially it was goes out to October 2026 when the CBA, at its option, has the right to redeem that security. Now, that was issued at 275 basis points above the risk-free rate or the bank bill rate, which at the moment is 0 0.004 or something. Uh, it's certainly very close to zero as you can possibly get. And that's trading at the moment at 281 basis points above the risk-free rate. That's a benchmark using CBA uh, as your guide. And your benchmark, they're the ones uh, that I'd be I'd be looking at. Is that the CBA P PJ? Is that the new one? PJ, correct. <clears throat> that's the new one. Yep. And oddly enough, it's trading at... Um, uh, let me see, six basis points higher than CBAPI, which is an April 2027, a longer dated security. So, you know, there are opportunities there. And this is what we look at at Bell Potter. We look at opportunities in the market for our investors and our client base. So you suggest trades to your investors as well? It's not so much just a buy and hold of, of the securities. Like if you if you were to buy, invest in a deposit or a bond, you might just be buy and hold. Are you suggesting trades to your investors as well? Yes, we do. We always look at opportunities in the market. And for instance, uh, let's look at, you know, we always look at opportunities and things that are uh, that are worthwhile in the market. Sometimes, you know, if there's a 10-point differential between uh, two banks, that might be well worthwhile looking at a trade. And as an example, Let's look at um, an ANZ March 90, uh, 2023, which is the ANZ PF. That's trading at a risk margin of 2.38% uh, above the, or 238 basis points above the risk-free rate. Yet the Commonwealth Bank CBAPD, which is a December 2022, that's three months shorter. Being shorter, it should uh, be basically, uh, it should be trading at a margin under ANZ. But in fact, CBA is trading at 252 over. So oddly enough, you're getting 14 basis points for going into arguably a better, ba a better bank. I think CBA is the biggest and strongest bank in Australia, if not the world. But uh, these are the type of switches that we look at on a daily basis uh, for our clients. Um, you know, with this particular one, you're getting a higher reward for taking on a better bank, uh, arguably a better bank, and also um, you're going shorter. So these are the anomalies that we look at in the market. Great. That, that CBAPD, is that the one that they issued where it was at a very low margin at the time and it, and it was a massive issue? Is that the one? That's the one, $3 billion issue. And, uh, you know, CBA haven't done anything wrong. That was, uh, when was that issued? Um, that would have been 2013-14. And uh, essentially with that particular security, yeah, it was a massive issue. And uh, at the time, CBA were actually quite generous because they probably could have got that away at around that 260, maybe even 250. Because remember, credit spreads like today were very, very, um, very, very tight. <clears throat> so they certain, certainly didn't have to give uh, 280. So CBA, for you know, they've worn a lot of pain on that particular security, particularly with the COVID situation um, when, you know, when COVID first started, everything was sold off right across the park. But gee whiz, like every other good stock, it certainly recovered. Uh, well, well, just generally, were the hybrids down about 30%? I remember during the GFC, hybrid 
uh, prices dropped about 30%. Was that the same with COVID? Pretty much, uh, depending on the issuer. It probably wasn't 30%, but we certainly, we got to a situation that was uh, people didn't know what was going on. We saw the equity market spit the dummy, and we saw these things blow out to probably about, I think it was some of these around the seven 800 basis points over swap in the long end. But uh, there certainly wasn't anyone stepping up to the plate, and then you, you had the panic merchants. But gee, it didn't last long, did it? No, it sure didn't. Unlike the GFC. It sure didn't. It's really interesting talking to you, Barry, because I'm reminded, you know, traders always talk in basis points and um, margins and blowing out of margin. But what's important to investors, they're always looking at the value that they can the, that they can sell it for or buy it for. So the price would have dropped, the margin went up, which, which is exactly right. But um, if we can go back to this year, there's been some uh, interesting issues this year as well, hasn't there, Barry? I know Macquarie Bank came to the market um, and Challenger... Uh, Challenger, Macquarie and NAB are the three that come to mind. Um, perhaps if you can just recount your thoughts for this year and what's happened this year. Well, let's start off with Challenger. Challenger was very interesting in the, the CV, CGFPA. That was meant to redeem or had its first rollover date last year. But that was right in the middle of the COVID period and the, and the pandemic. And they just said to APRA, because with these securities, if you want to redeem the securities or do anything with these securities, you need to seek APRA approval. So they went to APRA and said, hey, look, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Conditions are terrible. Uh, we'd like to extend the securities out, to, out for another two years. And they can go up to two years before they do anything and they get into that, um, you know, the final date when they've got to ex, um, exchange, that exchange date. So they sought APRA approval and they said they're going to redeem it within a year uh, when times get better. And that's exactly what Challenger did. And in fact, today, Crown has come out and said that the Crown notes, which are meant to be redeemed in July or come up for the first redemption call date in July, uh, Crown decided, uh, well, we're going to extend that another year, purely and simply because uh, of the takeover targets and the regulatory issues and so forth. So uh, these things, remembering that uh, I always say to our client base that every single hybrid in the market is a perpetual security. It does not have a maturity. And just to bear that in mind, if you notice that uh, CBA call all their securities pearls, well, that P in pearl stands for perpetual. So these securities have an optional exchange date, and that's at the option of the issuer to exchange the securities. Nine times out of 10, nine, time, nine times out of 100, the issuer will exchange the securities on that date. Bendigo today announced that they're going to be uh, redeeming and exchanging that uh, Bendigo PF, which is the Bendigo Note 3. Uh, that's on the 15th of June. They'll be redeeming that uh, $282 million issue without a replacement. Uh, Bendigo did do a replacement uh, early on in the piece. In fact, they did a replacement um, last, uh, <coughs> sorry, November 20, and essentially that was a BNPHs which is June uh, 27, they did that replacement already. So Bendigo saw an opportunity, raised a little bit more uh, capital when they had the Bendigo PEs, and uh, they said, well, save the costs of uh, reissuing into the uh, into the market again. Uh, so that's Challenger. Challenger sought APRA approval to uh, extend it for a year until conditions are, are right. And uh, the Challenger note at the moment is just trading on par, which is probably where it, it should be paying. Uh, Macquarie did do an issue, um, the Macquarie PEs last year, very successful issue. They issued a 290 basis points over swap, 
currently trading at 296. So they should have right at the, you know, the peak of the market or the bottom of the market, if you like, for them. That Macquarie issue is 40% franc, and it's very, very popular with retail investors because if you look at the gross optional yield, yield to optional exchange, <clears throat> which is what we calculate, we don't use gross to, uh, yield to maturity because uh, these securities don't have a maturity date. But, uh, you know, uh, that particular security, September 27, it's currently yielding with franking credits, um, grossed up 4.1%. And 4.1% from Macquarie in this environment is a darn good return. And tell me, what, what's coming up for the rest of the year? I know there's still some banks that um, will look to, to issue, although I think um, much of the issuance is already being done for the year. Is that fair to say? Oh, we've got two coming up. We've got an ANZ one, uh, the ANZ PD, September 21. So that's coming up. Uh, what ANZ will do with that will be interesting. Uh, likely, if they're going to do anything, it'll be probably July, uh, just after the financial year, just after they report. Um, and also you've got a Westpac security coming up in um, December 2021. Uh, the Westpac one is $1.4 billion and the ANZ is another $1.1 billion. Uh, CBA have also got one coming up early next year, which is the uh, CBA PF. That's a March 2022. CBA PE uh, in October 21. Well, that's been done and dusted essentially. Uh, that was done when they did the CBAPI. So that will just uh, roll out in, in October, or likely to roll out in October 21. CBA are looking at doing, you know, $1.5 billion issues, $1 to $1.5 billion issues. I think as we'll go back to that CBAPD, when they issued $3 billion, they copped a lot of heat and a lot of flack. And in fact, oddly enough, CBA, when they did do their previous issue, the CBAPJ, they went to 26, we would have expected them to go a little bit longer to a 27 or 28, but uh, they decided to go short and they only offered 275, which is the lowest rate we've seen on a new issue. So there, there's some guidance for the rest of the year. <clears throat> Barry, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the market generally because it seems like it's more of a replacement market rather than a growing market. And I know the banks do um, issue overseas. Do you sort of look at the overseas issues as well? And can investors get invest in those, or it's really not it's really not available to Australian investors? Technically, it is, uh, but it's very very difficult dealing overseas. Uh, you've got to have Euro Clear, and which we do, but it does cause a lot of problems. The advantage for retail investors is to go domestic. Do you get the franking credits? you might as well take advantage of the franking credit gross up. It's, uh, it's fantastic, particularly for zero, you know, um, super funds in pension mode uh, that basically don't pay any tax to get that franking credit. The gross up is very, very good. As far as issuances, look, if you look at the banks, you know, CBA is looking at, or rumours around that CBA are actually looking at um, giving doing buybacks. So they certainly don't need the capital. Uh, CBA, I think, are at 12.6 or 12.7 tier one capital, whereas the, you know, unquestionably strong is 10.5. So why do the banks need to go into the market? And there's no reason for it at this stage, other than just do a couple of replacements. And as I said, CBA are likely to do replacements of a billion, billion and a half, which will be so well absorbed into this market. Remembering that, you know, mums and dads and retirees and people living off fixed income, you really can't live off point, you know, point next to nothing, essentially. And TD rates, you're looking at point, I don't know, point three, point four. Whereas you go into a hybrid, you're getting into, sure, you've got risks of the bank going bust, but 
gee, you know, the possibility of an Australian bank going broke is fairly limited. And if you look at what the Reserve Bank is doing for the banks with the TFF, you know, term funding, you know, the banks are borrowing from the Reserve Bank at zero. So this government and the Reserve Bank have been extremely accommodating to get the economy running and also very accommodating to the banks so the banks can lend. And of course, if the banks are lending money, they're stimulating growth and stimulating the economy, which is exactly what uh, the government and the Reserve Bank want. So our banks are very, very safe. But and you're getting, you know, a yield of uh, in the threes and you're getting 280 to 200 to 300 basis points over the risk free rate. Um, pretty sounds pretty good to me. It does sound pretty good. And look, thank you for your um, comments and suggestions today. And we'll take the Macquarie Bank uh, hybrid away and have a look at that at over 4%. That certainly looks attractive. Are there any, is there anything else you'd like to suggest to the listeners that they might look at? Should they hold out for new issues? Do they need to invest in some of the older issues to get access to the new issues? Um, are there any other hybrids you, you think are good value, good relative value at the moment? Well, I'm of the view, I'm going of the view, and I'm quoting from the Reserve Bank. Now, remember the old saying, economists have predicted 20 of the last two recessions. <laughs> so, you know, the economists, are, you know, these are money market economists and they've got to get their name in the paper and whatnot. Now, look at what the Reserve Bank's doing. <clears throat> essentially, they've said they're not going to increase rates to 2024. So essentially, what they want to do is keep everything, money as cheap as possible. They want to overstimulate the economy. They want unemployment to get down to, to have a four in front of it, and there's still a long way to go. They want inflation to start rising um, and put a bit of wage pressure on uh, on the economy. So essentially, we're going to see this is going to be steady as she goes for a very, very long period of time. But conversely, if you look at what the Reserve Bank and the government's doing, people will say, hey, you know, why should I lock myself into a, a fixed rate secure or a, secure, a hybrid security that's got a a call date, um, you know, in six or seven years' time. And people get a bit nervous if interest rates rise. Well, let's look at hybrids. If interest rates rise, that is beneficial for hybrids because essentially these, <clears throat> your, the income you get is a margin above the 90-day bank bill, usually 90-day bank bill. Some have got 180, but it's uh, a margin above the 90-day bank bill, discounted for franking, of course. So if interest rates rise, you get more cash. Well, that's got to be good. And secondly, if interest rates rise, you've got to ask yourself, why is the Reserve Bank increasing interest rates? And the reason for that is to slow down the economy. And if the economy require, it needs to be slowed down, that means we've got exceptional growth in the economy. We've got the banks and the economy is doing very, very well, well enough that they've got to put the brakes on it. Well, if the economy is booming like that, it essentially means there's less risk in the economy. And if there's less risk in the economy, hey, there's a chance of, um, you know, the limits a chance of uh, any default with the major banks, which is what you're looking at. And if there's less risk in the economy, credit spreads will contract, prices go up. So you've got a double whammy. The other thing to look at and what we're suggesting to our clients is to buy longer dated securities because you're getting yield. Look at that Macquarie. You're getting a yield of 4.07. I've got a live screen in front of me. You're looking at 4.07. The national bank one, the last national bank one, which is NBA PH, December 27. It's the longest security in the market. You're getting a yield of 4.16. Now, if the Reserve Bank's not going to do anything until 2024, that security no longer becomes a six-year security. It actually becomes a three-year security. Three-year security reduces your duration risk. 
So therefore, you're going to find that that security will come closer and closer to par and getting your money back. So you've got less duration risk in the equation unless something out of the blue happens, like another COVID-3 or COVID-4 or, you know, there's a nuclear war or something that happens out, out of the ordinary. Um, so, you know, I'd be looking at the longer dated securities at the moment, I think, and that's what we're suggesting to our clients to go along. As far as waiting for new securities, well, you know, it's a long wait. Um, I'd rather take the money now. If I had my money in the bank at point, you know, point two five or zero, if it's in a term, a, um, you know, a, a cash management trust, I'd rather be earning my 4% now than uh, wait for, um, you know, a longer dated security or ANZs towards the end of the year. Uh, sorry, Westpac towards the end of the year, ANZs in September. And then because they're going to be very tight issues and very small issues, the possibility of um, a retail investor even going through a broking firm that's on the ticket of getting what you want can be limited because as we saw from the CBA and the Macquarie, the scalebacks are quite significant. Even though, you know, Bell Potter here, uh, you know, we're on the ticket, we do get a good allocation, but gee, we don't satisfy the demand for these securities. Barry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate your insights and there's so much to unpack there. I'm going to go away and listen to the, the podcast again. But thank you so much. We hope you'll join us again some, sometime in future. Not always a pleasure and it's good to catch up again. Thank you, Barry. Take care, Liz. Thank you for joining us this week on Fixated, the Fixed Income Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and don't forget to join us again next week. Still hungry for more fixed income news, views and education? Then visit fixedincomenews.com.au and don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter to have the latest news delivered right to your inbox. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Moran and we'll see you next week on Fixated, the Fixed Income Podcast.